Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Except for this doctrine of Jezebel and the things she was doing, there were some who were holding fast to love and service and faith and really doing the right things. He says, hold fast what you have till I come, till I come. And Jesus is speaking of the rapture of the church. The people at that time, back in the, in the first century, they were expecting Jesus to return at any time. And here we are, over two, uh, nearly 2,000 years later, and we know that we are expecting him at any moment at any moment. The signs are clearer than they've ever been in the scripture. There is no reason to believe that Jesus is not coming soon. Welcome to today's Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob Kellogg concludes chapter 2 of the book of Revelation, which concludes the letter to the church of Thyatira. We learn that there were many faithful, uncompromising Christians in Thyatira. To them, Jesus simply said, hold fast. They must not stop doing what is good. They must not become distracted or discouraged from what Jesus wants them to be and to do. Jesus also told them how long to hold fast, and that is, till he comes. We are to hang in there and stand strong for Jesus until he comes. It is only then that the battle will be over. Now let's join Pastor Rob. This is speaking of the Great Tribulation period, which is coming upon the earth. We don't know when that's going to occur because the church has to be removed in the rapture before the Great Tribulation. But notice, this is not speaking of the Great Tribulation uh, um, categorically. It's speaking about difficulty. And so, she, he was going to cast her and those who committed adultery with her into great tribulation, into a sickbed, unless they repent of their deeds. And again, God, is he doesn't like to punish. It's a, the Bible calls it a strange work. He doesn't like judgment. Uh, it is his strange work. But when a child of God or an unbeliever goes to a certain length, God has the right to intervene at certain times to either... Uh, allow them to be exposed or to warn them all along the way. And I tell you, in my own life, I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in the lives of other people. And that's just the way God works. He's very, very patient. But do not take that patience as a sign that God is condoning your sin. God never condones sin. And don't take His silence, if you will. It's just space for you to think about what you're doing. And sometimes it may last years. Sometimes it may last weeks, months, years, decades. And you know what? I never want to play games with God's grace, although I have. (laughs) I don't want to do that because God's grace is so wonderful. And the more we understand God's grace, the less likely we're going to want to really take advantage of it and take it for granted 
because we don't know when God will drop the hammer and when he will expose us. He does it even with believers, men in the pulpit who, have, who are really born again, but they have, a, they have a, a weakness. Maybe it's drugs, maybe it's sex, whatever it is. They, they've never crucified that part of themselves. They've never given that over completely to God. And the devil with the blue dress on comes in and just swipes him out from underneath his feet. His wife and his, his family is destroyed. His ministry is destroyed. Now he's working at, you know, someplace making minimum wage because he didn't take control over it. So this is serious stuff. Verse 23, And I will kill her children, meaning these followers of hers. I will kill them with death, the Lord says, And why? And all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. Remember that. God is the one who searches the hearts and the minds. Isn't that what it says in Jeremiah chapter 17? Beginning in verse 9, this is what it says. The heart is deceitful above all things. I think we can attest to that, can't we? Each one of us can attest to the fact that our hearts are deceitful above all things. Notice, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? It's a question that God is speaking through Jeremiah. And then finally the Lord answers. And he says, who, you know, who, who can know it? And it says, I the Lord, verse 10, I search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. It almost makes you think that the one who wrote Jeremiah is the same one who's writing this letter to Thyatira. Because it is. God inspired Jeremiah to write that. He inspired Jeremiah to write that some, you know, 600 years before Christ was born. Right? And so now, Jesus is writing the very almost nearly the same words to this church at Thyatira. See, if Jesus does not discipline and judge this church for what it's doing, the others are going to be watching. And that's the unfortunate thing. Uh, whenever we do something, other people are watching. And if God doesn't uh, chasten us, or even if he has to come down harder on us, if he doesn't do that, what, what does that tell everybody else? Oh, wow, God really isn't that big of it. He, he doesn't really have a problem with that particular sin. No, oftentimes the Lord deals harder uh, and quicker with someone in the church rather than he does an unbeliever because other believers are getting stumbled. They're looking at the liberty, and, and not, not, even the, not even the liberty, but the sin that somebody's caught up in and, and not seeing God do anything about it, not seeing their lives, you know, something happening, and, and they get discouraged. And they're like, I don't understand. Has it ever happened to you when you're looking at somebody, maybe somebody who claims to be a believer, and they're doing these horrible things? And they may be born again, they may be not. We don't really know. It's not for us to judge. But you look at them and you're like, what is going on? How can this be? God had to do this so that they could learn this lesson and that others would learn and they would fear God. They would fear God. They would take Him seriously. Hmm. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6, a very similar thing happened. Paul was exhorting the Corinthian church because there was a man, a young man in that church in Corinth who was sleeping with his father's wife. And the church, rather than getting upset about it and doing something about it, they actually boasted in it. And so the, 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 uh, Paul had to come to them and he wrote a letter and he says, 
uh, 1 Corinthians 5, verse 6, Your glorying is not good, he says. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Leaven is just yeast, right? And a little yeast, what does it do? It, it, it grows and it becomes even, it infects everything around it. Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. It, it, it's really speaking, the picture is very clear, of a woman with a, a, a ball of dough. She's making rolls or making bread, right? So he says, therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump since you are truly unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And so he's just really coming down on them, saying, you guys got to take care of this. But notice in verse 24 in our text this morning, it says, um, Now I say to you in the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not know this, have this doctrine, this doctrine of Jezebel and what she did, and who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, he says, I will put no other burden on you. You know, some have thought that to be familiar with sin and certain acts of sin, um, I'm sorry, some have thought that they need to be familiar with certain acts of sin so that they will know firsthand what it's really about. They will know the power of it. They will know the, how difficult it is, and, and, and they'll taste it for themselves. And many people have thought, well, if I just know these things, I can better minister to someone who's involved in it. But see, that is a lie. What did Paul say to the Romans in Romans chapter 6? He says, what shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And he, he says, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? And so we need to walk in newness of life, he says. And what does Proverbs say in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 27? Can a man take fire into his bosom and his clothes not be burned? And that's exactly what was happening here, you know, with, uh, with Jezebel and the adultery and the, and the fornication. This is ugly stuff, isn't it? But th- this is real. This is real life. And I love that about the Bible. It doesn't candy coat things. It tells us the truth, but also tells us the remedy. Because Jesus is the remedy. He is the remedy. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Isn't that what Paul said to the Romans in chapter 12, verse 21? Don't flirt with darkness and and see how close you can get to the edge before you're caught or you're found out. Be wise in what is good and naive toward the things that are evil. You know, um, hmm. be careful. You know, especially young people. For those of you who are younger and you're in your early teens, I would, I would say this to you. Be especially careful not to let your curiosity and the short-lived thrill of darkness, because there is a thrill to doing wicked things. There's a thrill. I know it because I did them. And so there's a thrill of darkness, but what happens is, is you, because you're young, you think you can, you can handle it and that you can throttle it and that you can walk away from it at any time you want, but it's not that way. Sin is like a trap. It gets you, and before long, you, you start flirting with it, and all the time you're saying, I can back out any time I want. I can back out any time I want, and there comes a point where you can't back out, and you are totally consumed, and the devil has got a hold of your life. Now, God can save you and deliver you, certainly, but you're going to go through a bitter, bitter experience because you flirted with it. The better thing to do is to not flirt with it. Do not flirt with it. So what does Jesus say here? But hold fast what you have till I come. He admonished them and the good things that they were doing, except for this doctrine of Jezebel. And the things she was doing. There were some who were holding fast to love and service and faith and really doing the right things. He says, hold fast what you have till I come. 
till I come. And Jesus is speaking of the rapture of the church. The people at that time, back in the, in the first century, they were expecting Jesus to return at any time. And here we are, over two, uh, nearly 2,000 years later, and we know that we are expecting him at any moment. At any moment. The signs are clearer than they've ever been in the scripture. There is no reason to believe that Jesus is not coming soon. Soon. In fact, I would even be willing to say that if he didn't come back in 10 years, I mean, I, I would be like, how, how much more twisted and bent can the world get that the Bible talks about? Because it talks about the conditions of the world before he does return in his second coming. So if we're already seeing those things, how much sooner then is the removal of the church and the rapture? That's the thing that you got to hang on to. Notice what it says, verse 26. And he who overcomes and keeps my, my works, notice Jesus says, until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. Power over the nations. As believers, we will rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. On this earth, after the rapture of the church, while there is a great tribulation going on on the earth, a seven-year period of, of all-out uh, God's war with the world, basically, um, you can read about it in Revelations uh, 6 through 19. That's what that's all about. And after that, we return with him at the end of that. And Jesus said that we believers, we will sit. In Matthew 19, verse 28, Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, in the millennial reign of Christ, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Now that's speaking of the, the, the disciples, or, or the, the apostles. And also, uh, Paul said to, um, to Timothy, in 2 Timothy 2, verse 11, This is a faithful saying, For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. When is that reign going to begin? It's going to begin in the millennial reign of Christ. And there are many other scriptures, but those are just a couple. But we will rule and reign, the Bible says, as kings and priests unto God in that millennial reign. And so that's what he's talking about. And notice he says, And those of you who keep my works till the end. What, what are God's works? Well, Jesus defined what his, his works are. In John chapter 6, what does it say? It says, Then Jesus said to, to um, then, I'm sorry, then the multitude said to him, to Jesus, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? And Jesus said, answered and said to them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. That's it. That is the work of God, to believe him whom God has sent. And that is who? Jesus Christ. That's why it all centers about Jesus Christ. It's all about Him. We're almost done here. Hang on, folks. <laughs> I know we've gone a little long today, but this is a, a, one of the longest letters. It is the longest letter of the seven churches. And there's a lot here, and it's so wonderful. So much encouraging here. He says in verse 27, He shall rule them uh, with a rod of iron. Jesus, in, during the millennial reign, He shall rule the nations with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessel, as also I have received of my Father. And you can read about this on your own time, but read Psalm 2, uh, especially verses 8 and 9. It speaks of this, of Jesus ruling the nations with a rod of iron. And also in Daniel chapter 2, write this verse down. Daniel chapter 2, verses 34 through 45. It speaks of a vision that uh, God had given to Nebuchadnezzar, a pagan king during Daniel's lifetime. And God had given to Nebuchadnezzar 
uh, basically an over uh, an outline of the world kingdoms, uh, including his own, and how Jesus would come back. This stone that would be cut out of a this mountain that would be cut out of stone, um, that would smash that image that represented all the kingdoms of the world. Jesus would be the one that would crush those things, and he will do that when he returns in his second coming. Read about it in Revelation 19, beginning in verse 11. It's a wonderful time when the Lord returns physically back to the earth in his glorious second coming. But notice in verse 28, we're almost done. He says, And I will give him the morning star. And I will give him the morning star. This, uh, there's not a lot known about this, but one thing that we know about a morning star is that it doesn't appear until immediately before the sunrise. When, when things are the darkest, that, that, that morning star shines the brightest, and it's really speaking of the rapture of the church, we believe. When Jesus says, and I will give him the morning star, he's basically saying, I'm going to give you that experience. I'm going to give you my very self, and here's how I'm going to come back. And the very darkest part of history, I am going to shine I am going to come before the sun comes up and the dawning of a new day, this millennial reign. When the sun comes up, that morning star is, is, is Jesus. He is going to come and return for his church. Do you believe that? You know, it sounds like, um, you know, for some it may sound like something out of Hollywood. Well, what, why do you think, uh, how, where do you know Hollywood, uh, how do they get all their crazy things that they, they make movies about? You know, sometimes the truth can be stranger and more uh, fascinating than fiction. Uh, and certainly we read in the Bible here, I mean, I remember when I was younger and somebody told me about the rapture of the church and I thought, man, this sounds like Star Trek. And, and I started to, to, um, to really uh, disdain it. I, I really started to put it down. And, and the, the thing is, is the truth is more marvelous than fiction. Because these things are really going to happen. Jesus has never lied to us. He never will lie to us. He's always been true to who he is. And you can trust everything that he said about the past has come to pass, literally. And there's much history behind us that he spoke of. And we have no reason to believe that what he says for the future is not going to happen because we see these things lining up. We see these things lining up, folks. If you, if you don't see these things lining up, you're not paying attention. You're not paying attention. Read Matthew 24. Earthquakes and pestilences and famines, and, and these things will, are the beginning of sorrows before he returns. Okay, These things are happening. Just yesterday there was a, an earthquake, a 5.5 earthquake in Puerto Rico. It was on the news and boom, it's gone because it's, these things are happening so much now in all these different places around the world. It, it, it makes news for a minute, but because only a few people click on it, you know, the, the news agencies are going, well, we can't make any money off that headline. Let's find some more bad news. <laughs> and so that's what happens. But these things are happening. And notice how Jesus... He says, the morning, I will give him the morning star. I love what Paul, finally, one verse, and then we're done. Paul wrote to Titus, and he says, We're looking for the blessed hope, verse 13. Looking for the blessed hope, the return and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who what gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people. That's you and I, if you're a believer, zealous for good works. Do you, do you enjoy doing good things? I mean, I do. It's a wonderful thing to do good things. 
you know, there are times when I don't do so, you know, there might be a thing or two that I don't do good, and only God knows. But, you know, I want to do good things. I'm sick of doing, uh, being led by my own desires and flesh and doing stupid things. Maybe you can uh, join with me in the chorus. I want to do good things. I want to be an ambassador. I want to be a, uh, someone who the Lord can use. Do you want to be somebody who the Lord can use? Finally, he ends this letter to Thyatira, and he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So this letter was not only written to a specific church in Thyatira, but guess what? All of these churches, all these letters were written, sent to individual churches, and the other churches were to read it as well. Because in these churches, we find all kinds of good things and a lot of bad things that we really need to to work on. And that's why these letters, these seven letters to the churches that Jesus wrote are so important for us today because we can all see elements of ourselves in here and it would be good for us to look at it and say you know what lord i need to turn i need to turn from this from whatever it is and so take these things seriously and we'll let's end in prayer but i want to encourage you this is a difficult letter they are there for our encouragement because jesus does commend but he also rebukes and you know we need that too we need to be commended for things that we're doing right And only the Lord knows for sure. Um, But I would encourage you, as we have read and will continue for the next three weeks, look at these churches of Revelation before we get into the the, uh, other exciting things too. Take note of these things and don't just let it go in one ear and out the other. It's so easy to think of somebody else, some other, someone else. And we never look at our own selves. As you read these letters, as we read them together, look at your own self. Stop pointing the finger at other people and look right in the mirror and point the finger at that person in the mirror and say, that person needs to change. That person, you've been, you've been harboring this hatred, this anger, this bitterness, this unforgiveness. You've been doing this wicked thing on the side nobody knows about. You need to turn from it. You need to return from it, right? And that's what we all need to do. We all need to do, do not allow yourself to stay in the status quo. Be changing, let God change you. And you cannot change unless you really are born again. You can put a Band-Aid on it. That's what all that is. You can go to a class and and, and you can fill your head with philosophy. It's only a Band-Aid. The only thing that's going to change you is Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God is the only one who can change you and me. He's changed me wonderfully forever and I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. He's changed me and He's changing me. I'm not, you know, none of us are perfect. And we don't have to tout that we are because we're not. But we need the Lord. We need, isn't that an old song? People need the Lord. But we do. We need the Lord badly. So let's pray. And I would encourage you, if you, if you haven't received Christ, do it now. It's, it's so simple. You just, you, you confess to God quietly. It doesn't have to be something public. It can be. But confess to God what your sin and tell Him. Lord, I'm tired of this old nature of mine. I'm tired of hiding. I want to come clean with everything to you. And I I ask that you'd forgive me. And I plead the blood of Christ over my life. I give you my life. Please come into my heart, God. Save me. Make my life a blessing. Because right now my life's not a blessing, Lord. Bless me, Lord. Turn my heart around. Turn my life around, God, and make me an ambassador for you. And I trust you, Lord. You know, if you've prayed that, if you some semblance of that, welcome to the family of God. 
because that is what it's all about, folks. That is what it's all about. So, Father, we thank you for this time. Pray that you'd bless my brothers and sisters, Lord. I know this has been a long time in your word today. We can get away with it because we're, we're sitting in front of a monitor. We're sitting in front of a phone. But, Lord, you've spoken some really wonderful words to us this morning. You've spoken some very difficult things for us to really wrestle with, Lord. Have your way with us, Lord. Don't let us continue in the status quo any longer. May we give our heart completely to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcasts. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.